0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Just City, a nonprofit organization working to make sure Tennessee's criminal justice system is safe, fair, and strong for everyone. They're working to increase diversion programs for at risk youth and helping people and neighborhoods find greater opportunities for jobs and housing after incarceration. Learn more about their work at justcity.org.
1: Coming to you from the ugliest building in the Gulch, it's the Nashville Scenecast. I'm your host, Maddie Girard. Today we've got James Peisker and Chris Carter in to talk about meat, and Porter Road Butcher, the business they started together almost six years ago. The guys are not just experts in cutting meat, but they make it a point to know where every cut they sell came from and what it was fed. Our editor, Steve Cavendish, has traveled with Chris and James before, observing their process from start to finish. Stay tuned to learn more about their process, how their business has changed, and what supermarkets aren't telling you about your meat. After that, we have D. Patrick Rogers here with a review of Patty Cakes, a new movie out at select theaters in Nashville. We'll also have a clip of the song that he talks about in his review, Bruce Springsteen's The Time That Never Was. As always, please subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And don't forget to rate us and leave comments. Thanks for listening.
0: Five years ago, I sat precariously on a plastic table in the cab of a beat-up refrigerator truck that the guys I'm talking to, James Peisker and Chris Carter of Border Road Butcher, Uh, drove out into the middle of nowhere to pick up a side of beef for their shop. I was writing a piece about Nashville's first independent whole animal butcher operation. And in the five years since that story, they've opened a second shop on the west side, closed it when they grew too fast, bought a slaughterhouse, and started a wholesale operation that supplies some of the best meat in town to Nashville restaurants. If that sounds like a lot, it is. Guys, introduce yourself to people and tell me, what have you what have you guys
2: learned over the last five years?
3: My name is James Peisker. I'm one of the co-founders of Porter Road Butcher.
2: And I'm Chris Carter, the other co-founder of Porter Road Butcher.
3: I think uh, we've learned a lot of things over the past <laughs> five years. Um, some good, some bad, some ugly. Uh, and I think pushing forward some of the most important things that we have learned along the way is uh, perseverance usually wins out. Um, Chris and I have spent many long days, many long weeks, uh, trying to make sure that we are bringing the best product we possibly can to our loving community here in Nashville. Yep. Chris? Yeah.
2: You, <laughs> anything to add to that or just yep? Uh, well, yep it usually covers it, but I'll, I'll expand upon yep. Uh,
3: that's, I mean, that's a, that's a big statement, <laughs> bold statement. <laughs>
2: um, we have learned a lot. I mean, we've, like you said... Expanded and contracted a little bit um, ups and downs, learning to work with employees and people and being busy and not being busy <laughs> uh, and learning to uh, not only persevere, but pivot as much as needed. Um, you know, if something's not working, fix it and find a way to make it work has really been Business hard.
3: is definitely not a straight path. <laughs> you have an idea that you want to do. and. Luckily, every pivot Chris and I have made and every bump along the way and every turn. We've learned from. We have definitely learned from. And we actually, like you said, we've grown, we've contracted, we purchased the slaughterhouse. Uh, By doing everything we've done, we've tried to just take care of our customers and our friends and our community as best as we could. And I feel like five years later, We have a better product we have a more standard product and we're able to supply our customers with more of what they want and uh
2: yeah working on it every day in order to
3: yeah and i don't feel like i'm drowning every day anymore
0: (laughs) you guys were both headed down the path towards being a chef when you met uh and when you launched the butcher shop um i mean did you make the right decision i guess absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah what makes you say that
2: uh, I mean, the first thing is hours. Yeah,
3: um, absolutely. Butcher shop hours. I don't mind waking up early in the morning. I'll wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning now that I'm old and tired <laughs> um, rather than go to bed at 2 in the morning.
2: Yeah, it's not not very easy to get up at 5 when you go to bed at 2.
3: Well, and <laughs> and
0: you're both, you're both married now. You have a kid. James, you have a kid. One, One month way.
3: away, September 27th. So
0: kid on the way. Yeah, little baby girl. Uh,
3: congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited.
0: Do you uh, do you miss cooking every day? Because I think that's the... We, that, that seems like the thing that you'd miss is just that the creation part of it. So,
2: so, I mean, we cook a lot. I mean, I cook at home four nights a week. James and I spent the entire day today in the kitchen cooking, uh, getting ready for a wedding tomorrow. And we often think man, I I miss being on that line or man, I miss getting back there with those guys and, you know, getting dirty. And it's, it's nice. And we do like half of what those guys do on a nightly basis. And we're like, Oh, Man, <laughs> I'm so not tough
3: enough to do that anymore. There's an
2: explicit label on this podcast. You can oh. say what you want. Okay, mean. good. Yeah, we're like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and fire is hot. Yeah, fire is hot <laughs> and it burns. Um, so, I
3: I mean, personally, like Chris said, we do get to cook all the time and we get to do it in a much more intimate setting where whoever has the nicest backyard invites us over because they know they're going to have a great meal. And Chris and I doing what we love, hanging out with friends, drinking whiskey, having a gathering place. uh, It makes it something special. And with, you know, not being on the line every day, I think the biggest thing I miss is that adrenaline rush. I used to love getting just beat up on the line where you're just like, fuck, I'm I'm done. And then all of a sudden you just see the light at the end of the tunnel. Then you go out and get fucked up that night. (laughs) <laughs> Wasn't a bad deal. Well, James uh, does. Yeah. I, I usually would do push-ups and <laughs> in a bed. <laughs> Go do a couple hours of yoga. So
0: uh, let's talk a little bit about meat. Uh, you guys own a whole animal butchery operation. So what does that mean, first
2: of all? Whole animal means basically that it gets rid of the thought of your. I'm going to say basic butcher shop. I think that might be a little forceful, but uh, basic butcher shop where you're getting in boxed meat. We're actually dealing with the whole animal. We work directly with the farmer at this point. We, you know, we actually do the entire process ourselves. But we've always, even before having the processing facility, worked directly with the farmer, purchased a live animal from the farmer, and then brought that animal after uh harvesting back to the facility and really you have to utilize the whole thing um
0: and so you guys know everything from what the animal is eating all the way up until the end when you're cutting when you're when you're portioning into cuts for to to sell for retail
3: yeah so at porter road butcher we have a set of standards that we work with all of our farmers uh chris and i work directly with them i talk to our farmers three or four times a day day. When was the last Uh, time you talked to ken
2: like I talked to Ken
3: Drennan at KLD farm three hours ago, and I love my buddy, he's incredible. Um, He raises incredible beef, but you know, having that relationship with them and we have standards from, you know, like the way they're, the way they're birthed, the, what they eat, what drugs they're not allowed to do, which is all of them, um, no (laughs) hormones. Uh, out on pasture so we have these very specific things that develop a really unique flavor in our animals and it makes them happier and healthier which is the right thing to do when it comes to raising animals and it makes them taste more delicious so it's a win-win situation and then when you know it it comes to developing these relationships building something that's that's unique and special like Chris was saying I talk to him all the time like I know Things personal things about them they know personal things about me and it's a very beneficial relationship and by being a whole animal butcher we're able to utilize and take the stress off of the farmers where they can just stay on the farm and farm, we'll do all the dirty work and take care of it from there
0: When most Nashvilleians go into a grocery store to buy meat and we'll just say beef for example here, what don't they understand about what they're buying?
3: I think uh the biggest thing they don't understand is where that meat comes from and how it actually is truly raised. Um, We are, I like to say there's a curtain put up in front of us between us and our food supply because what other companies try to do where larger firms actually don't want you to see anything there are states out there that have ag gag rules that are laws that you cannot take pictures, you cannot take video of these people's farms. Why would you need a law that says you can't take a picture of a farm? You're obviously doing something that you're wanting to hide. Um so We there,
2: try, We try to be as transparent as possible.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. So I mean with that, you know, they're hiding something from there because it's not, it's not a good product. It's not something that they would stand behind and show and scream out, you know, on the mountaintops, That's what we do at Porter Road Butcher. And the, the products they buy at the, you know, I don't want to like encompass all of them because there are good companies out there and there are people who are actually trying to do good. But just because you see a buzzword on a label, doesn't necessarily mean it. USDA good. Prime,
2: USDA well, Prime Prime Prime's grading. Now they've even dropped because they can't hit the grading scale of Prime. Now they're actually uh, <laughs> selling themselves as just USDA inspected meat. Which and is it's, all meat across the it's country. Like, congratulations. Legally, you have
3: to be <laughs> USDA inspected. To so sell. it's not a legal meat.
2: Yeah, uh, we'd like to refer to meat in the supermarket as faceless meat, right? Like, basically, there's yum. You know, there's <laughs> there's no story behind it. You have no clue where it came from. Where like, if there was one piece of meat, you could pick any piece of meat in our in our case, and we could tell you exactly where it came from. You know, introduce you to the farmer. You know, tell you where their farm is, and the farmer would. Uh, greet you with open arms because they're very proud of what they do. You just have to have a very open schedule because they will take up your entire day <laughs> because they are so proud.
3: And, I, you know, one of the big things, too, is, like, the reason they're hiding this and the reason why it's, you know, what you're getting at the grocery store, um, it's, it's all about money and it's all about profit. And I'm not saying that Porter Road Butcher is not a not-for-profit company, It's but it's not our number one drive. It's about creating a community. It's about creating a family, and giving people the best product possible. Um, there, along the five years of us being open, there are many ways we could have figured out how to actually become rich off of this, um, and we never cut a corner.
2: Yeah, none of them are ethical.
3: And we, you know, it's always about making sure that the farmers taken care of, making sure that the animals taken care of, and making sure that the customers. Taken I mean,
2: you've care. seen, you've seen our entire process. Yeah. Uh, many times, yeah. Many times. <laughs> so, I've I mean, e- I've eaten a lot of your process. Uh, <laughs> it's uh,
0: you have more right there. Yeah. Uh, the interesting thing about that, though, is you're in an industry and, and anything that's food related, there is such pressure on. There's cost pressures, and they're very real and very immediate, in in ways that in other industries there's there's more of a lag. Uh, you don't feel them necessarily as much. Uh, and the margins are not great. I mean, it's not like you're making, you know, 30, 40, 50% on what you're doing. Restaurant margins are anywhere from 3 to 15%, if, you know, 15% if they're doing really well. What's, I mean, so what kind, what are you pressured
2: to do?
3: Well, I mean, there's only. You know, I mean,
2: you don't have to name names here, but, but like. What, I mean, what, one of them would be our farmer, Joey Rittenberry, that has given us. You know, a very long arm in order to pay him back in times when you know we couldn't. Um,
3: yeah, it's. De- I mean, developing relationships. I mean, there was there was a, there was always an easy way out, and an easy way out was to be unethical and do something that wasn't right. But I would rather look at a person in their eyes and tell them I don't have a tenderloin and tell me that I'm a stupid person and a bad business owner because I don't have a tenderloin for them.
2: And. I can't just buy boxes of tenderloin. That's not our business. That's not what we do.
3: And that's not the way to help the agriculture industry around middle Tennessee and Kentucky. It's not the way to help save family farms. What we're doing, everything has a reason behind it. Even the size of our hot dog, there's a reason behind it. And it's because it's two inches longer than the bun. Your first bite and your last bite will always be just hot dog. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) I I applaud that. More meat on my hot dog. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like everything behind it, and like, like, you know, you you could go buy a box of tenderloins, and then you know, nobody nobody would probably be the wiser.
2: No, some people would be very excited because we always have tenderloins. But a lot of people, you know, get what we're doing and and understand and embrace the fact that you know we don't have tenderloins because of the fact that. You know there's two tenderloins per animal
3: and the people that get it the people get it and the the people that want to be a part of it and want to be involved and spend the extra dollar spend the extra money they're the people that we know and love and see every week people that want it for a special occasion come on in it's going to be the most delicious steak you've ever had i guarantee it.
0: tell me what uh tell me what i should be looking for what's the difference between uh between say a ribeye that I come into your place and look at versus something I'm going to see plastic wrap in a, in a grocery store or a, you know, a, well, a, a different cut or a piece of, you know, a piece of pork. What, what, what am I looking for?
3: I mean, the most simple thing of walking into the butcher shop rather than walking down the meat aisle is that you're going to be greeted by people that are very knowledgeable and very passionate about what they do. The crew we have at the shop, every last one of them are amazing and they are an extension of our family, and we know and love them, and you know a lot of them personally. Sure. And so you walk in, and you're supporting every single one of those people when you walk into the door. Um, and when it goes into it, it's not just a ribeye. It's a celebration. Every single meal you eat is something special, and you should never waste a meal on some shitty food. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep.
3: um, it's it's not worth it.
2: Well, that and- the best way to enter the shop is with an open mind because the fact comes back that maybe you want a tenderloin but we don't have tenderloin available. There's a lot of Because when you run out when you've run out of something, you've run out.
3: We've run out until we kill another beef or well we cut it down from the aging room. So that's where we go, what's the difference? So when you come in, you have this piece of meat, a ribeye, a ribeye. It's the same piece from a the same breed of animal. Most of them are Angus. So you're getting the same piece from the same breed of animal, but the way the animals race, it's going to develop so much more flavor. It's going to have such a more depth from being out in the air, exercising, eating the pasture. So, I mean, just the color
0: as opposed to being trapped on a feedlot, as as opposed to being
3: trapped on a feedlot and then fed antibiotics to help them fatten up, being pumped with hormones as a child to help them bulk up. I mean, all these things are not only unhealthy for the environment, unhealthy for the animal, it makes it taste worse well, because it, it's artificially large.
0: And and in like for instance in the case of beef and and I assume this is the case in pork too in factory farms you have situations where they fatten up the they fatten up the animal particularly towards the end of its life. And so it, it's a quicker time frame. It can be it, it can be 12 6 to 12 months quicker for that animal. I mean that's you know six to twelve months longer in the field is longer for your farmer it's longer for you guys that's a
3: tough thing to do yeah. I mean, that's why that's why it's more expensive yeah like, it adds a lot of costs plain and simply and then when we process it so we when we get the animals from the farm so it's more expensive for the farmer to do what they do to let an animal live a happy healthy life when we receive it uh, we treat them with the utmost respect. We, we don't use shock sticks. We don't use any of the traditional standard equipment. Um, and then when they come in after we harvest them, we actually dry age the entire carcass, which is not a standard thing in the industry because it's very cost inhibitive. So if you're looking at it from a purely business standpoint, it's a bad idea. But we don't necessarily always look at everything from a purely business standpoint. We look at it from a quality and flavor standpoint.
0: So what does that do for the flavor?
3: So there's a natural enzyme found in beef that helps tenderize it. So after six to eight days of the animal being harvested, it'll continue to tenderize. And then uh, anything beyond that, you're losing 1% of your entire carcass weight every seven days. So basically what it's doing is dehydrating out. And as the moisture goes out, and the water evaporates out you're just concentrating that flavor so the longer you go it's almost a controlled rot while it's dehydrating and intensifying that flavor that sounds delicious it's absolutely <laughs> amazing and it's something you know we play around with like
0: i mean it's weird to say controlled rot is it's delicious. a good band name too but, uh, yeah. controlled <laughs> rot would be yeah. a great name maybe maybe a little uh, little metal little speed metal yeah i think more like <laughs> prog rock yeah a little metal in there um so you're running the butcher shop and then you decide to go out and buy a slaughterhouse why on earth would you buy a slaughterhouse? because we're so
3: punk rock (laughs) yeah Uh, we thought it'd make us look cool Uh,
2: no i mean from day one we knew that that was one i mean that was neither of us are ever gonna be farmers uh we don't have enough time i mean it's it's, chris doesn't like dirt no i like dirt Dirt doesn't bother me. Some of the stuff in the slaughterhouse bothers me. But <laughs> the Chris
3: will me. not go into a particular room in the slaughterhouse named the gut room
2: or the offal area. Um,
3: he doesn't like it in there because it smells funny. Well, it does
2: smell. It smells bad. It smells real bad. Uh, and it's completely separate. It's off by itself. Um, but it's part of the process. But like for us, knowing that that was what the only aspect of our our business that we had no control over, you know, and we were working directly with these farmers that were raising these beautiful animals to our standards and dropping them off at these facilities. And then we were taking down a vehicle and going to picking them up. You've been with us on these trips. Um, Oh, memories. A lot of uh, <laughs> sitting in the no seat in the <laughs> yeah. middle of the truck. Thank God,
3: thank God that truck's
0: gone. We uh, <laughs> we
3: drove, I think, for four hours in an old Bob Evans freightliner truck.
2: And Steve with sat two on seats. Uh, Steve sat on a metal table. There was it.
3: a there was a, a folded up towel that he sat no, it was on. A, it was a, it jacket, a it
0: jumpsuit. Was less than safe, but fortunately nobody hit the brakes too hard. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it can only get up to fifty five miles per hour, so <laughs> we were going fast.
2: Uh, but that was the only aspect of our business that we had no control over. And we saw a lot of, a lot of things happening there that, that we needed to basically do ourselves that we wanted to be able to, it was
3: about, it was about quality assurance, yeah, making sure that everything is getting done right. It's sanitary. Chris and I are very, very particular about the quality of cleanliness, cleanliness and at a slaughterhouse, People look at you funny when you're like, no, you need to scrub behind that. You need to scrub under that. Because, you know, when the whole entire room gets covered in blood, people don't look at it the same way. But we come from the kitchens. We come from a very strict background. So to us, you know, cleanliness is close to Godliness. So you
0: buy this place. It's up on the Kentucky line, uh, where it's actually in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It's in yeah, beautiful
3: it's- Princeton, Kentucky.
0: And uh, there was a lot of deer that was being processed there during hunting season. Yeah, we quit that. We quit that. Uh, I, qu- I quit you. How, <laughs> how, how long? How many seasons did you guys process deer? Two terrible two. seasons. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: was. What
3: happened? Deers are gross, man. It, it just it got in
2: the way of our yeah. business. Like our business is taking care of our wholesale and our shop. And
3: yeah, our partners in, in restaurants, you know, we weren't able to make sure that everything was 100 percent. We wanna focus and make sure that the meat that has that Porter Road Butcher name on it is always the best quality it can be. And we would end up where, well we would have have to to keep a complete separation between your deer and USDA product. So we would spend an entire day processing deer when we should have been cutting beef and then it ended up that we were cramming everything in, trying to get it out. And I mean, we never cut a corner, we never did anything that I didn't think was 100% right but it just made it more stressful and the people in the local community, I was all about de- processing their deer for, but there was just some people that expected you to bend over backwards for them yeah. and they would show up a half an hour after you closed, not gutting their deer cause they didn't like to touch it. It's like you shot the fucking thing, <laughs> gut
2: it out. Uh, but you know, and it was just, there was a, there was a lot. There's a, so many, there's so many reasons. And
3: Chris and I would work, the entire month of November.
2: Yeah, it was uh, and fourteen married, straight days of like sixteen-hour days. Yeah, um,
3: it doesn't work out too well because remember, Thanksgiving's in November, but for some reason, these people still want to go out and shoot shit on <laughs> Thanksgiving. So be with your family.
0: So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about retail. Um, what are uh, what are people what are people buying in
2: the summer, uh, and what are what are you looking at in the fall? so basically i mean i guess you could look at it as ground beef during the summer and things that weren't ground during the fall so i mean really like when we're breaking down a beef in the colder seasons you keep more muscles whole as roast and that kind of thing and as you get into the summer people aren't braising or crock potting or roasting things they're grilling stuff. So a lot of that stuff kind of goes into ground beef uh, steaks and that kind of thing are always consistent. Um, sausages change a little bit. Um, well, we make different kinds. So yeah, different kinds of sausage. The way we actually
3: cut our meat different during warmer grilling months and colder crock pot months. <laughs> Crockpot months. Drop top. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how much ground beef are you guys doing these days? Too much. Not enough. Whoa, whoa,
3: whoa. not enough.
2: Oh, selling or
3: doing both? Not enough. <laughs> <laughs> so the the thing about being a whole animal butcher. So when you're just a retail store, for every beef you get, so that's every five pounds of tenderloin, every twenty six pounds of ribeye, every twenty pounds of strip, you end up with three hundred and fifty pounds of ground beef. That's a lot. of Fucking. That is beef. a lot of ground beef. So. By having the wholesale company, we're able to process a little more beef up at the facility and then get the ground beef out through our outlets at wonderful places like Burger Up East, Dallas Haas Loaded Burger Food Truck. Yeah, you can plug, go ahead. You know, all those great companies (laughs) that I love and we work with so much. Um, But you know, we have all these great restaurants that we work with and they're the ones that help us be able to continue to do what we do. And by partnering with people and figuring out our wholesale sheet is hilarious because it's it's all these things and when Joseph goes to a new restaurant, he figures out this this is the one steak I have left. You can have that. And they're either like, okay, or no. But if it's actually pretty incredible because all of these different restaurants, by taking just one cut, you know, by Urban Cowboy taking twelve pounds of skirt steaks a week, they're part of a system that's helping to support these family farms that are right around mm-hmm. us. it's everybody piecing together to create that whole animal that whole animal that this farmer raised and took all this care for but everybody needs to help out and take the piece of the piece of the cow
0: so i gotta ask you uh i'm holding here in my hands some pretty great butcher paper here it's queens of the stone age butcher paper how in the hell did that happen uh cat
2: I guess maybe. <laughs> um, she really took
0: care of. Uh, I looked up on Instagram this morning, and there's Queens of the Stone Age uh, <laughs> uh, sitting there talking about Porter Road Butcher. So
3: t- yeah, yeah. So Cat, Cat, uh, who is our, um, you know, everything. Kat. Yeah, she's yeah. our everything at Porter Road Butcher. She's the one that controls the social media and then makes sure the ship does not sink at any given moment. Um, <laughs> she's the rock.
2: I mean, there's a lot of crew there that that does that exact same thing, but Kat is definitely up there with them.
3: Not like Dwayne Johnson, a different kind of rock. She's much skinnier, not as bulky. Um, (laughs) But she got reached out to... um, We're going to edit that out. By uh, Queens Queens of Stone Age, (laughs) and they just reached out and they picked an incredible group of butcher shops across the country, and uh, we just happened to be one of them, and I you got to go by the shop and see. Well, I guess this will be way later. Never mind. Cancel
2: that. But sadly. Anyway, they picked some really amazing uh, places around the country and one place in London Yep. Um, to send this incredible butcher paper out to. Um, I really didn't know they were doing it, and then I walked in and saw the paper in the back. I was like, why do we have Queens of the Stone Age paper? And I thought they knew I was coming in, and they had purchased it somewhere and were hiding it. And they were like, no, they sent it out. It's promotional for the new record. And I was like, well, let's do it. They're like, well, we're supposed to be waiting. But then they started... Putting it out and everybody
3: was asking about
2: it. Instagram and it's it, pretty so.
3: incredible because at Porter Road Butcher we're right next to an incredible uh, record store. Right. So you can come in, you can get your butcher paper, you know, purchase your meat product, get to, get it wrapped in the butcher paper. Do you have anybody
0: come in today who was just like, I just want something with the butcher paper on it?
3: Not yet. We did
2: have one guy try to buy the entire roll though. <laughs> <laughs> what
3: what was the going rate for the entire two fifty? <laughs> we did not sell it. Dude. We were just joking. All
0: right, let's do a let's do a quick little bit of lightning round here. Okay, you ready? I'm scared. Uh, wait. Yes. <laughs>
2: Burger or hot dog? Burger. Burger.
3: Chris, you're supposed to be quick with these. Come on. <laughs> no,
2: it's called a lightning round. Yeah, no,
3: you got to go. <laughs> oh,
2: I get it now. Yes, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, Burger.
0: <laughs> Fillet or or T-bone? Neither. Neither.
3: <laughs> 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 uh, no. Let me clarify that. A steak is delicious in all forms, but if I'm going to eat a steak, the reason I would eat a filet is to cover it in bernet sauce.
0: Right. And and I know... As that was a cr- trick question, because there's a filet in both as of former, those. As, as former chefs or current chefs masquerading as, uh, as butchers, then every chef hates a filet.
3: Well, so yeah, the filet, well, so their fillet, big thing is that it's tender. It's not very. It's not the most flavorful. It doesn't pack the most flavor punch, but it's incredibly tender. It's the most tender piece in the entire beef and a t-bone is a little bit of tenderloin with your strip steak on it which whoever invented the t-bone in porterhouse i get it because it's cool looking but you have a filet and a strip attached to each other which are two different muscles that cook at two different temperatures at two different times
2: is this what the lightning round is the long explanations
3: <laughs> long of each, explanation. each answer uh and, and the fact that we I just don't, answer
2: really fast we don't really know what a filet <laughs> tastes like because they're always gone so we might actually like them <laughs>
0: Um, well, we've murdered the time for our lightning round. So that's going to be it. Great. Oh, uh, damn it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the rest of the answers were yes, yes, no, no, absolutely not. Fuck Yeah, I think you're pretty good looking.
0: Fantastic. <laughs> Guys, thanks for coming in. I appreciate
3: it. Thank thanks, you. Steve.
4: Readers' poll ballots are now open for this year's Best of Nashville contest. Vote for your favorite restaurants, businesses, people, places, events, venues, and more. Here's how it works. Go to NashvilleScene.com and sign in using Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You can submit one full ballot during the voting period, which is August 3 through September 8. Vote today!
1: So I'm here with managing editor D. Patrick Rogers, who has a review of Patty Cakes, a new movie which is out in limited release around Nashville.
4: Somewhere in the heart of Springsteen's New Jersey, 23-year-old bartender Patricia Dombrowski fantasizes about making it as a rap star. With Manhattan gleaming like Emerald City in the distance, Patricia, aka kill Patty Cakes, and in a jab at her weight, Dumbo, and her rapping pharmacist buddy, Jerry, long to escape their shitty jobs, their shitty town, their shitty circumstances. Patty Cakes takes place in a sort of frozen-in-time working-class America. We know it's contemporary America thanks to, for instance, a glimpse of Freedom Tower in the distance, or the occasional Rihanna reference. But it nevertheless feels as though we're plunged into a universe in which there's no Trump or Hillary no civil unrest, no Twitter, no Spotify. Patty carries a flip phone. She drives an ancient Cadillac, and she listens to music on her portable CD player. But these aren't mere anachronisms. They're indicators of our characters' poverty. These characters don't discuss the merits of socialized health care, or whether or not a white girl rapping is cultural appropriation, because they're too busy working themselves to death in smoky dive bars so they can pay for grandma's medication. So no, Patty Cakes doesn't break any of the rules, rather it embraces them, and that doesn't make it a bad film, quite the opposite. It's built on a rock solid foundation that endears us to our heroine, unites us against her oppressors, and makes us root for her at that freestyle rap battle and the rookie talent showcase and wherever else. Newcomer Danielle McDonald's performance as Patty is almost certainly the film's most valuable asset. I imagine most folks unfamiliar with McDonald will be shocked to discover she's an Aussie, not an unknown local who was discovered just specifically for this role. As Patty drives through the nondescript streets of North Jersey, with Springsteen's The Time That Never Was playing in the background, not a bit of the hopelessness and malaise of this place feels put on. The drinking, the economic depression, the listlessness, McDonald does an excellent job of making us feel the inherited burden of all these factors. Jersey native and first-time writer-director Jeremy Jasper, one-time frontman for early aughts indie rock band The Fever, clearly mined his own experience for much of this film's material, and in doing so he managed to craft something pretty endearing. He hasn't reinvented the wheel here, but sometimes the wheel still manages to get us where we're going just fine. Patty Cakes is playing now at the Belcourt, Opry Mills, and Regal Hollywood 27.
3: And it cuts me
1: a few notes we'd like to thank jeff the brotherhood for our intro music if you like the sound check out diamond way from the we are the champions album finally don't forget to pick up the nashville scene print edition on thursdays or check us out online at nashvillescene.com you can subscribe to our weekly podcast on itunes soundcloud and stitcher and please drop us a rating or leave us a comment and let us know how we're doing or subscribe and make sure you don't miss a cast thanks for listening